Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales. As we go behind the smiles, this is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smiles. I am here today with Dr. Bobby Stanley. Dr. Stanley is a general dentist, a mother of four, and one of the co-founders of the Stanley Institute. Bobby, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona at the International Congress of Oral Implantology meeting, and it's beautiful here. Yes, it is. How's the weather there? Oh, just fantastic. I left North Carolina. It was a little bit chilly, so it's nice to be here where it's great. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm in California. I'm in Los Angeles, and it's, it was raining yesterday. It's cold today. I don't know what's going on. Wow, that's unusual for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I have so many questions for you, but I'd love for you to just start out by sharing your journey in dentistry, why you chose dentistry as a profession. Are you happy with that choice, and how did you get to where you are today? Oh, I'd love to. So um, when I first started thinking about what I wanted to do in life, you know, as a high school student and um, junior high student, I knew I wanted to go into medical profession. I wanted to help people. And so I started looking at medical uh, careers that I could do where I could also be a mother because that was important to me. I knew I wanted children and I wanted to have a family. So I wanted to have a career, but I also wanted to be a mom. And so I narrowed it down to plastic surgery, dermatology, and dentistry. And then I started looking at those three curriculums and uh, careers, and I, I just I fell in love with dentistry, and I found that dentistry was the one thing that I could do that would give me immediate gratification. I could help people, and I could help them right then, and I could see the results. And so, you know, I did a few things. I did an internship in uh, Claremore, Oklahoma, in the Indian Health uh, Dental Clinic for a summer, and that just really solidified that this was what I wanted to do. And then I went on to UNC Dental School. I graduated in 1993 and opened my practice right away as soon as I, I got out of dental school. I knew I wanted to be a general dentist because I wanted to be able to do a little bit of everything. I love everything about dentistry. I didn't want to be limited. So it really worked great that I was able to open my own practice and, and treat patients the way that I wanted to treat patients. That's wonderful. And I think the interesting part about your story is that at some point, your husband joined yes. you in, in this profession. Tell me about that. So uh, in my second year of dental school, I met my husband, and he was starting a master's degree in mechanical engineering at NC State. And he said, oh, my grandfather was a dentist, and I always wanted to be a dentist, but somehow I went down the engineering path, and now I'm going to be an engineer. And so as we dated and then we, we married, he, he kept saying, I, you know, I really love dentistry. I wish I'd gone into dentistry. But at this point, he had gone on and gotten his PhD in engineering. So he had 11 years of college. Uh, we have five small children, uh, four biological, one foster daughter. And uh -huh. he said, I want to quit my job that where he's making a lot of money and go back to school and be a dentist. And I said, are you out of your mind? I'm not going to be a single mom. And no, we ha you have a good income. But after a lot of uh, prayer and thought and uh, discussing it as a family, we decided it was probably the right move. I mean, he had a real passion for dentistry. 
And um, it gave us the opportunity to come together as a family because now we practice together. So he quit his job uh, with Sony Erickson and went back to dental school. And um, while he was in dental school, he, he did a lot of oral surgery and um, he really wanted to continue to oral surgery school, but he went in as a second career um, person, a second career student. And so he was an older student and he had young children at home. So he decided that he would continue his passion with oral surgery, but he would do it at Stanley Dentistry. And that's what he's done. He came into Stanley Dentistry and he, he took over the surgical side of our uh, practice and he's done a fantastic job, but it's been great for us because we get to work together every day and we both love what we do and, and we, and being able to do it with the person that you love is even better because we get to share our passion with each other. And so our, our lives pretty much consumed with our children and dentistry and, and we love it that way. It's, it's wonderful. You know, I love this because I kind of spent most of my adult life working together with my husband. And uh, in fact, right now I work with my dad, with my brother, with my mother-in-law. It's a, it's a family business, but um, I hear a lot of people say that they can't work with their spouse. How do you guys make it work so that you're happy both at the office and at home? So it's funny, people ask us that question all the time, and he immediately answers and says, it's easy, she's the boss. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the truth, but we, we genuinely love being together. We're together all the time. I mean, he's here at this meeting also, and it's rare that you will see one of us without the other. We do have our, our personal passions that we enjoy. For instance, I'm a pilot, and I love flying, so he's wow. not, so I fly a lot by myself, oh, and with him, obviously, but a lot by myself. Um, and then he, he enjoys CrossFit and, um, he works out at the CrossFit gym. We're both, um, Ironman triathletes. So we, you know, we have worked out together and we, we do Ironmans together, but, uh, we also find our own individual time where we can do things and, um, grow as individuals, but we love being together. That is incredible. I had no idea you were a pilot and, and <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously impressed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's just another one of my passions. So how old are your kids now? So our oldest, which is our foster daughter, she joined us with our family when she was eight and she was our first daughter. Uh, she joined us right after we got married. She's um, 33 now. And then um, our uh, biological children are 24, 22, 20, and 17. So our 17 year old wow. is still at home. Um, he has one more year of high school after this year. And then our oldest biological is engaged. And so next year we will have a wedding. Uh, one graduating from college and one graduating from high school. It'll be a fun year. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, any of them going into dentistry? We're still holding out hope. So our oldest daughter uh, graduated with a degree in biology with the intent of going to dental school. And then when she graduated, she started studying for the DAT and she said, I just don't know if I want to do it. So we said, stop. You cannot be a dentist because mom and dad are dentists. And so she has joined us in the practice and she does a lot of the administrative side um, and, and she says she wants to go back to grad school. She's just not quite sure the direction she wants to go. And we are not pushing her to go into dentistry because you have to go into it because you love it. Our youngest says he wants to be a dentist and, and we really hope that happens. But at the same time, we've told him you have to follow your passion. You can't do this because mom and dad are doing it. Um, so you just have to find what you love. And that's what we wish for our children. We want them to uh, just be happy and find their passion as we have and just really go down that path. But I'll tell you, dentistry is fantastic. And we love, I tell every young person I can, you really need to go into dentistry. It's a great career. Um, it, it, you get to help people, but you also can 
um, have a little bit of, of your own freedom and you're not necessarily tied down by insurance. I mean, it's just a great way to be able to um, help other people. I completely agree with you, but you know, I spend a lot of time on Facebook uh, dental groups and other dental forums, and you hear so many dentists talking about, you know, the profession is not what it used to be, all this doom and gloom. Um, Why do you think is that? And what would you say to them? I'm simply amazed when I hear that. I think that insurance is changing dentistry the same way that it has changed medical. And we have to be careful that we make sure that we're, we're practicing for our patients and we're taking care of our patients and we're not working for insurance companies. Um, we're fortunate that we're a fee-for-service practice and we don't, we don't uh, participate with any insurance contracts. And so that helps us to be able to offer our patients the services that they need and that they're looking for. Um, And I think that oftentimes when your hands are tied, when you know you can offer your patient something great, but insurance is limiting you, it's it's really disheartening as a doctor. I've heard a lot of my physician friends say the same thing. For instance, I had a friend who said, oh, I could help this lady really be able to see better, but the surgery that I need to provide her doesn't, her insurance company doesn't compensate me enough to be able to provide that for her. So I I won't even offer it to her as a service. And I thought, what a shame that we've come to this point in our, in our, uh, world that we cannot offer, we can't no longer be doctors to our patients. So we have to be careful of that. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, dentistry is fantastic and it's changing every day and technology is making it easier and less expensive for the patients. So it's, it's really a great, great career still. And, and I think that it's always going to be a great career. It's just, you have to offer the patients the great service of dentistry. I love that. Thank you for everything you just said. So tell me a little bit about your practice. What is it like? Um, so I opened the practice when I got out of dental school and I was a sole provider for or, or practitioner for many years. Um, when my husband graduated, he came in and when he came in, I was doing surgery, but to a, to a limited degree. Um, and I was doing a lot of cosmetics, a little bit of ortho. And when he came in, we decided we can offer our patients quite a few things if we Uh, divide and conquer more or less. So what we decided was let's look at where our passion is in dentistry and let's really focus on that for our patients. So his passion was surgery. So he started doing all the extractions, the perio surgery, the dental implants. My passion is um, orthodontics with growth and development and smile makeovers and TMD. So that's, those are the directions I went. And then we brought in a, a, an associate who loves doing endo. He loves doing uh, general dentistry. So we just kind of put everybody in the right place and we do what we love and it makes our day really wonderful. I think sometimes when we try to do everything and we're not really passionate about it, it really can weigh heavily on us. So because our practice offers everything to our patients, obviously we know where our limitations are. We still refer patients to specialists. Um, however, we have the opportunity to either educate our patient and then send them to the specialist, or we have the opportunity to treat them within our office. And our patients appreciate that because they really don't want to be passed between different practices with nobody guiding their treatment. I agree. And sometimes it causes a lot of confusion with, you know, what kind of treatment we're doing, what implant system we're using, you know, is my insurance maxed out? And I think for them, you know, once they trust you and your practice, they really want to stay and, and have everything done under the same roof. And that's wonderful that you, you're able to do that. And at the same time, each provider who works in the practice does what he or she enjoys. I, I love that model. It's similar to my practice model. And, and I think it's beneficial 
for patients. And I think it's, it's easier for the dentist and more enjoyable. I, I totally agree. I think the other thing is that you need to hire people who also love doing what they do and they love doing it together. Um, so for instance, um, we have a great, great team in our office and they, um, they all love doing what they do, but their, their focus is on their patient. Their focus is uh, customer service to the patient, customer co- patient comes first. And uh, we just make sure that we have a great time doing what we do. And, um, you know, you, at the same time as a practice owner, you have to compensate those patient, those uh, employees. So our team members um, have great guidance. They have great training and they, they get uh, compensated appropriately on incentives. And I can't express that enough that when the team members feel like that they are growing with the practice and that they're being compensated appropriately through incentives, it just makes for a great world because their focus is on the patient and doing what's right for the patient. Yes, they have to know what they're doing and they have to feel confident and comfortable with the practice. They have to believe in what the practice is doing. And, um, and I think training has a lot to do with, with that. How do you train your team? Um, we do a, a quite a bit of continuing education, but we also do a lot of meetings in our office. For instance, once a quarter, we close for a whole day, and we either bring in a coach, bring in somebody who can guide us, or I will put together all-day PowerPoint presentations to help train our team. So um, week before last, we had one of these meetings, and it's the first of the year. So what we focused on was our systems, and we just started reviewing our systems over again. We had a lot of role-playing for instance, we hand off our patient to the front desk or we hand off the patient from the assistant to the doctor. And there's a certain way that we want to transfer that information for the patient so nothing gets lost. And so we, we role play that and make sure that everybody understands the system so that the patient gets the best possible service. But you have to take time to uh, do that within your practice. The other t- thing that we have is we have team leads in our office. So we don't have an office manager. Each department has a leader, and that leader is responsible for making sure that their their team members are doing the right thing. And then we have regular um, team meetings uh, once a month. We have department meetings once a month. We have leader meetings once a month. And then also once a quarter, all the leaders come together with, with the doctors, and we strategize. We plan where we've been and where we're going. Um, so we spend a lot of time planning and training and that sort of thing. And and doctors often say to me, oh my God, that's lost production time. We do close the office for an hour and everybody gets paid or close the office for a day and everybody gets paid. But having our systems in order and making sure everybody's trained appropriately is so much more efficient and effective for our patients that we actually produce more because of it instead of tripping over each other and not doing that. Oh my gosh, I love what you just said because you know what? I every time I interview someone who is very successful in their practice, this is exactly the same thing I hear. We have systems, we have regular meetings, we train our team, we have department leads, and we close the office and we dedicate the time to training because if you don't train, yes, you're producing, but you're not producing at your best potential. Exactly. And, and when systems get lost and, and people don't understand, your team members don't understand where you're going, it's frustrating. And those are those days where you leave at the end of the day and you just feel so overwhelmed and you feel like you didn't really achieve and your passion hasn't been fulfilled. And, and then team members start to leave because it's just not working for them. Absolutely. When you bring someone new uh, to your practice, what type of uh, training do they go through to really um, you know, hit the ground running? 
Yeah, so we always have a systematic onboarding process. So nobody comes in the office and starts working day one ever. Um, and as a matter of fact, we just added a new hygienist. And so the first day they're they're brought in, it's a celebration. So we always have a big celebration. They're there. We're, we're excited. You know, we, we bring in food. We bring in balloons. It's, it's a big deal. I they get it. a personal written card from me saying, welcome to the practice. And then they get assigned one person who's going to be uh, – with them for the week, who's going to make sure all their questions are answered. And in, in most dental offices, the way it happens is somebody comes in and they fill out their tax papers and then they fill out their other papers and then they get an office manual and they read that. So they're stuck in a room doing paperwork and then they're like, okay, go see your patients. And, and you just can't do that. You have to have them see where your systems are. And we have um, what we call SOP, uh, which are, you know, systems of our processes um, that we sit down and we go through the training process to make sure that everybody's on the same page and all patients are getting treated the same way. Because even though, for instance, in a hygiene position, hygienists understand cleaning teeth, but there are different um, expectations with different offices. And what we want is we want our patients to come in and see a hygienist and not even realize they didn't see the same hygienist they saw last time because the services that they may be getting are exactly the same. They're being probed exactly the same. I mean, the, the techniques, the same, the, the diagnosis is the same. Everything is exactly the same. And we do that across the board. We make sure people are very comfortable before they actually start seeing patients. And then once they start seeing patients, it's, it's only one or two patients. So our hygienist who's been with us, our new hygienist who's been with us about four weeks now is still not, doesn't have a full day of patients because we're just slowly introducing her so that she's not overwhelmed and patients don't see that. I love this. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite, um, coffee places is Starbucks and it's not necessarily because the coffee is better. There are a lot of other places where coffee is better, but the reason I go to Starbucks is because I know what I'm going to get. Right. I know exactly what that coffee is going to taste like. And it's, it's a weird language. You know, I walk in and I say, can I have a, um, a venti pike with room? I don't even know. Like this is multiple languages here, but, <laughs> but you know, anywhere I go in the world or anywhere in the United States, I get the exact same coffee. That's right? exactly right. And, yeah. and with uh, dental practice, when you have multiple providers, I think it's so important that everyone is calibrated. 100% agree. Our patients expect it and, and we want them to have that level of service. Absolutely. So, how did you create those uh, SOPs? Uh, talk to me about it. So it's taken a lot. Um, but I once bet. we figured out the rhythm, it worked really well. What we did was we, we allowed our team members to work on that. So our team members have really helped us hone in the SOPs. So me as a practice provider, I, I've done very little in that category. So what I did was I asked my team members to put together some SOPs. Let's sit down and, and review them and let's make sure they're exactly where we want to be. And they're happy to do that because they want to be part of the practice. They want to be utilized. You just have to allow them time to do that. And they'll put together your SOPs and you sit down as a department and you review those and you, you fine tune them. It's so simple, but it's taken me years of understanding that I don't have to be I, yes, I have to be the leader of my practice and, I, and they look up to me as that, but I don't have to do everything. I have competent people who are willing, they want to be involved and, and they want to go down that path. For instance, um, they've worked on the SOPs, but not only the SOPs, they will oftentimes go out on the internet. My TMD assistant just did this and she reviewed all of our TMD information on, on our website and she rewrote some of that because she felt like that we could 
um, have better content and inform our patients better about TMJ issues. And I welcome that because I don't have time to sit down and do that. I can't ask my website people to do that. They don't understand TMJ and TMD. So if I can have my, my team and my practice to do things like this, it's beautiful. Another thing that happened was one of my hygienists decided she was so frustrated with patients not understanding how to wrap the floss around fingers that she asked one of her team members to video her with their iPhone and she showed how to floss a patient and then they themselves put it on our YouTube channel. I didn't even know it was happening. It was so awesome. But when you when you give them the power to be able to do things like that, they would love to do it. Just let your team members guide your practice. I completely agree. And and I think that um, I have SOPs in my practice, which uh, we've created. It took like seven years to put together, right? So and they're very detailed. And uh, yeah. when I when I talk about them. A lot of doctors ask me for a copy, which I don't mind sharing, but I always tell them, you have to get your team involved and you have to create your own SOPs. One, because they're minor specific to my practice, right? but even more importantly, because people support what they help create. And when you get your team involved and they create those SOPs, they're going to follow that. If you just give them a, you know, a stack of binders of someone else's right. SOPs, they're not even going to read them. But you know, I bet that a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, my team doesn't take initiative. My team doesn't do that. So how do you get your team to take initiative? How- well, it, it wasn't hard because I have people who love what they do, but you can do contests or you can do incentives to get your team members to do that. And it's it, we've had to do that in other areas where our team's very competitive. We like competing with each other and seeing who can win, and it's fun for us. So we've had competitions to see who can get the most uh, Google reviews or something of that nature. And then, you know, it, it's so simple. You bring in a big television and you say, okay, we're going to write our, our SOPs and you're going to be in charge of the SOPs. And when this happens, this television goes home with you or something as small as that. Or you can just um, incentivize them financially to, to do that. Once our SOPs are done, uh, you're going to get a, a small compensation. If you don't want to do that, then take them out to dinner. Little small things of appreciation. We call them small celebrations. Our team members really, really appreciate that. The other thing about our SOPs are our SOPs are living documents. We do them on Google Docs and everybody in our practice has access to them because sometimes we find that if we change one thing or two things, that it may make the system better. And we'll change that to make the system better. Now, that doesn't happen without my approval. But if I have it in a binder, then I have to go and rewrite it, reprint it, rebind it, get it to everybody. This way, everybody has access to it at any given time. They can pull it up and um, look and see what's going on in our practice and make sure that they are on par with it. I love it. These SOPs do get reviewed in department meetings. So oftentimes it's one or two SOPs are the focus of a department meeting um, as part of that process because over time we forget and things start to fall by the wayside. So you do have to review them. Absolutely. And whenever, you know, I find that sometimes a new person comes in and then several months later, suddenly we're doing something differently because every person brings a little bit of their past experiences with them. And so we always have to recalibrate. And we always have room for improvement. We can always do better. Absolutely. So in your practice, what are the types of procedures that you offer? Obviously, we talked about oral surgery, implants, uh, TM, TMD treatment. What else do you do? 
So we offer everything. We do traditional braces. We do Invisalign braces. We do something called Healthy Start, which is a growth and development for children. Um, we do controlled arch with braces. Uh, we do TMD treatment. We do a lot of TMD treatment because one thing we find is that dentists aren't well trained in that area. So we have quite a bit. We, we even have one room that has a uh, massage chair. And um, the patients come in and sit in the massage chair while they're relaxing for their TMJ treatment. And oftentimes patients will come in and they're not getting TMJ treatment and they'll want to sit in the massage chair. So it's <laughs> kind of fun and it's a cool thing to have. Um, we do sleep um, um, sleep apnea treatment, obviously, because that goes hand in hand with TMD. Um, we do a lot of cosmetic smile makeovers, uh, no prep veneers, minimal prep veneers, full, full mouth rehab, um, all full mouth implants individual implants, which is something we teach in our Stanley Institute. Um, we do everything, root canals. Uh, and there's pretty much nothing that we do not do. So you mentioned Stanley Institute. Tell me what motivated you and your husband to um, start your own educational institution. Tell me about that. So as I said, we're very passionate about dentistry and we love it. And uh, my husband, you know, is an academia person because he spent all his years in college and uh, he would love to just go and teach all the time because he has such a passion for teaching. We had a lot of our colleagues come up and ask us, how, how do you do your implants? We, we place an implant in four minutes. And it's so simple. Patient leaves, they're not bleeding. We don't cut them. You know, we don't have to flap. And so our colleagues wanted to know, how do you do that? How do you predictably place an implant in four minutes? And so uh, we said, well, let us put together a little PowerPoint and we'll show you. And, and then that led to, can you show me more? Can you show me more? So we started teaching dental implants. And we started with just placing uh, individual implants. And now we teach how to do full mouth implants, full arch um, it's all guided, so it's all predictable. And as we were doing that, I was one of my passions is the business of dentistry. I love the business of dentistry. And so as we were presenting dental implants, I was presenting things saying, how do you market your practice with dental implants? How do you price dental implants? And so I would give little presentations, and the doctors would say, oh, can you teach me more? Can you teach me more? And so I finally put together a curriculum that started as a one-day curriculum. Now it's a two-day curriculum on um, the business of dentistry. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what doctors don't understand. For instance, they don't understand the tax um, benefits that you can get from owning a practice or being an associate. So I teach that. Um, and, and it's just, we, we love teaching. We, we just have a passion for it. People ask us to teach more and we'd love to. It's just a matter of time. That's wonderful. So what are the, I mean, now you have um, a, a lot of different courses. Some of it is, uh, uh, life and, and hands-on. Tell me about the types of courses that are available through Stanley Institute. So Stanley Institute continues to evolve based on what our requests are from our students. And one of the things that students wanted was they wanted to be able to place implants on live patients in the U.S. And we felt strongly that just placing a hole with a screw in the bone is not enough. What we wanted to do was we wanted to give our doctors that we teach the opportunity to uh, place an implant in a live patient, and then they have the opportunity to restore that patient because you can ha you can place a nail anywhere on the wall, but when you go to hang that picture on that nail, that's going to tell the real story. So uh, we talk about planning for pros, and then the next class we actually have you sit with the patient's information on the computer, and we help plan it with you. And that's one of the big things our doctors have said. How do you plan implant placement? How do you know predictably you're going to get it in and it's going to stay in? And so we plan that with them. The third uh, 
course, they actually see the patients and place the implants. And then the fourth course, they actually restore the implants. So it's a start to finish curriculum. We also have individual courses. For instance, we have our full mouth implant course that teaches sinus augmentation and placing full arch implants. We uh, do full arch implants in our office in about two, two and a half hours. Patient sedated. It's real simple procedure. Patient leaves. Most of them don't even use pain meds. It's all predicted. It's all planned on the computer the day uh, prior to the surgery. So when you know that things are going to turn out because you've already done the surgery virtually, the poker factory goes away. You know, you're not so fearful of, oh my gosh, is this going to work? And then of course, our other course is uh, the business of dentistry, which we love. This is great. Um, I, I like the idea of beginning with the end in mind. Um, I don't place implants myself. Um, I do have an implantologist in my practice who places implants and I restore them. But once in a while, somehow a patient gets away and they go somewhere and then they come back with an implant and you're just like, uh, it's, how, how am I going to restore this? <laughs> it's not only frustrating, but it, it hurts my soul because we should not ever, ever encounter that because there's so much education out there. You know, the great thing about Stanley Institute is we have doctors who come in who are eager to implement implants in their practice. We have doctors who come in who already place implants. We have doctors who come in, they never want to place an implant. And I applaud those last doctors the most because they're never going to place an implant, but they know how to guide their patients who are getting implants from their surgeon now. Because whether you're placing the implant or not, you need to be planning that case for your patient because you're putting the crown on it. And so it's your responsibility. So, uh, you know, sending your patient to your surgeon and saying, place, place an implant in the number four position, that, that's not cool. And we hear from surgeons who say, can you help us train the doctors to give us more guidance because we want to be guided to put the implant in the right position and they're not giving us any, any guidance because they just simply don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I... I was just talking to someone else uh, about this yesterday. I took many courses in things that I don't, uh, you know, do in my practice, right. but they have become, they, they've made me a better dentist. Absolutely. Does that make sense? And we owe it to our patients. We owe it to our patients to educate ourselves so we can guide them appropriately with whatever treatment they're, they're going, going to have. Um, I, you know, I do do orthodontics in my office, But even if I didn't, you still need to have an understanding of growth and development so that you can guide your patient appropriately. Yes, my story with um, ortho is for years I've been hearing Dr. Howard Ferran say, why don't you do ortho? It's just glue and rubber bands. So at some point I'm like, you know what? I should do ortho. So I took ortho courses. I did like a four-year continuum. And at some point I had over 100 cases on my hands. And I realized that I just don't like doing ortho. Right. And so, and my orthodontist that, that I work with mostly, that I refer to most uh, frequently, was very supportive. And he actually finished my last four cases because I was just so burned out with ortho. But the, the good part of this is that I have such much better understanding of Absolutely. everything that I do on a restorative side. Absolutely. Right? Yes, that's exactly why I say you need to get 
educated in implants, even if you're not placing implants. And, and a lot of doctors say, well, I'm restoring it. It's so easy. I just unscrew, I put it on, it's done. There's so much more that goes into implantology than that. Um, you know, it's, it's the biology of what's happening there. It's the occlusion. There's a whole bunch more to know than just putting, putting a crown on top of a post. Right. And occlusion is uh, frequently the, res- the, the cause of the failure. So you, you, have, you, have to, you have to put it in the right position. Well, this is great. And um, so besides tax planning, what are the other business courses that you're offering through uh, Stanley Institute? So the, it's a, we do a two-day entrepreneurial um, summit. And the first day is all focused on practice, human resources, developing your practice, growing your practice. And then the second day focus on financing. One of the things that I find from doctors is that they, when they're ready to purchase a big piece of equipment or say they're ready to incorporate implants in their practice, they say, I'd love to do that, but I just don't have the money to buy the equipment. And so I learned a long time ago that you need to plan for things like this. For instance, we know taxes are coming up. We have to pay taxes. I provide retirement benefits for my team members. I know I have to pay that at a certain time of the year. So, you know, I've developed a system where that money is being put in certain accounts so that when I'm ready to make a purchase, the money's there. So, you know, for instance, we have an account called major purchases and and I just put money in there so that when we're ready to uh, grow in our practice and we need to implement something, I'm not trying to figure out how to do it, where I'm going to get the money. I'm not running to the bank asking for yet another loan because God knows we're all driven by, by loans and interest rates these days. So, you know, I just don't have to do it. It's such a sense of financial peace to know that I have a, a system that's planned in my office financially. Um, I've also had doctors who have said to me, I haven't taken on my paycheck in three years. I, I, I implement a system called profit first, meaning I get paid before anybody else gets paid because if the business can't have a profit, then you're over. Um, you're, you're overextending your boundaries financially. And that's when you need to have a come to Jesus meeting with yourself and your team members and really look at your finances. So I look at overhead percentages. I look at, um, you know, supplies, things of that nature and help people understand where the numbers should be. And then we also look at growth in our practice. And I I help our doctors understand how many active patients they have, what your projection is for next year. I help them plan what a marketing budget should be for their practice because a lot of doctors don't even have a marketing budget because they don't have any extra money. So I help them understand how they can do that and how they can grow their practice uh, by marketing their practice. I love it. Uh, Mike Michalowicz is one of my favorite authors. I read all of his books. Me too. Uh, first is, is absolutely the book that everyone should read and, and uh, implement those systems. And I love the fact that uh, you're teaching that at the Stanley Institute. You have a lecture coming up at midwinter, right? We do. Next week, we are doing live surgery on stage at Midwinter. We're opening the Midwinter uh, meeting Thursday morning at nine o'clock. We, we're doing uh, live surgery with patient on stage. And it's actually a pretty complicated patient. We're placing three implants. One of them's going to be in the area of tooth number three that's getting extracted on stage. And so oftentimes doctors say, how can you predictably place an implant in an extracted molar position, especially an upper molar. So we'll be talking to uh, the doctors in the room about that. It's a sold out event. So it's, we're super excited that it's sold out. There's over 600 doctors in the room. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've talked to them about expanding that. So there may be opportunity at the door to get in. Um, but we're, we're excited about it. We'll be on stage. We'll be talking about how to do this. We'll be talking about 
how to plan on a trios, how to plan on itero, how to plan on a CIRAC. And then we'll also be talking about pro, uh, provisualizing the implants uh, once you place them. So it should be fun and exciting and we're looking forward to it. Our patients looking forward to it. So, and also um, we'll have a booth at Chicago Midwinter for Stanley Institute. So if anybody's interested in our Institute, they can visit us at our booth and we'll be happy to get them more information. I have to ask you this uh, because I, I get this question all the time from other uh, women. Um, is it different for a woman? Because, I mean, you are so accomplished. And uh, have you felt that it was harder for you to get where you are today as a woman? You know, I, it, it was more challenging earlier on, I will tell you that. And it used to be frustrating for me when I would take my team to dental meetings and my husband, who was not a doctor at the time, would accompany us and people would say, oh, doctor, looking at him, so great you brought your team members. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm the doctor. So, you know, th there was a lot of that and there still is some of that. But um, I, I think women have a great opportunity because, you know, we're, we're we're compassionate and we're artistic and, you know, we, we have a sense of, of motherly love inside of us and all that goes with healthcare. I, I think we have a great opportunity, but we're also very wise in business uh, realm. Many women, uh, you know, help control a lot of their um, finances in their house or shopping or budgeting. And so we have a great opportunity and I don't think that there's anything that's limiting us as females in the dental world, not anymore. When I was in dental school, I remember one of my professors said, you have to cut your fingernails. My fingernails were above my fingers. And I said, I don't want to. And he said, you have to, you have no choice. And I said, mm -mm, I'm not going to do it because I am not going to be restricted by your rules as a man. And so I, I believe that I'm going to give my patients the best possible service. I'm going to run my business the best way I can run my business. And in the end of the day, I sleep great. And you know, my patients are better off for it. But I don't think there's anything limiting me because I'm a female. Thank you for sharing this. I love this. I am, I am so impressed. You're, you're a strong leader. You are a savvy businesswoman. You're a fantastic dentist. Thank you're you. an educator, a pilot, an athlete. You know, thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast and share your story. And I cannot wait to share it with our listeners. Thank you for allowing me to. I've really enjoyed it.